0: narcissistic friend? I bet you do if you're sitting here listening to a narcissistic friend video. There's so many questions that we have to understand. Is my friend a narcissist? Do they have NPD? And what can I do about it? They're smearing me, they're calling names and and telling people things that just simply aren't true, or maybe they're so controlling that you don't feel validated, you don't feel heard. There's all different levels of of narcissistic friends. And so they can go on this spectrum of, you know, just this public persona that's wonderful or a little bit less virtuous than that. Today, I've got a special expert to talk to us about narcissistic friends, Andrea Snyder. Are you familiar with her? She's the author of Soul Vampires and her podcast is one of the best out there. It's called The Savvy Shrink. She's written for uh, Psych Central, Minds Journal, and Good Therapy, and she's brilliant. So we're going to talk with her about what to do if you have a narcissistic friend, how to recognize it, and what to do about it. How do you get rid of them? How do you protect yourself? And so without any further ado, let's welcome Andrea. This is Tracy Malone, and we'd like to bring you on here and let's go learn about narcissistic friends. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Tracy. I am so honored that you are here. We have been trying to get this together for a while and you were moving and so I'm so grateful that you're here.
1: Thank you so much for your patience and, you know, having me on and I'm, I'm truly honored and I feel very privileged to be able to
0: share this time with you. Thank you. You're welcome. So today we're going to talk about narcissistic friends. Um, it's, it's something that is a little bit more unusual than someone having a narcissistic relationship. And the, the same patterns, the same sort of things happen, but they happen in a different way because there isn't the attachment of a, of a husband or a mother or things like that. So friendships are different. And so um, what I wanted to start with is, what does it look like when we start a narcissistic friendship? It's not like they have a card that they carry. I'm a narcissist. Mm -hmm. So you don't know it. So how does it look? And what are some of the things that people should be aware of that happened at the beginning stages?
1: I think those are great questions. And it's actually a, a really important topic, I think, for people to really delve into and explore. So I think the theme of looking into narcissistic friendships, and what do we do, how do we manage it, or do we continue in a a friendship that has somebody who has those qualities? um, Those are really important questions to ask ourselves, because unfortunately, um, narcissistic abuse exists all over the place. It can be in love, work, family, or friendships, and I think we often overlook the uh, potential hurt and toxicity that can happen from abusive friendships. So this is a really important topic to talk about. So what would we look for if we encountered somebody who um, in the initial stages might be a narcissistic friend or engage in behaviors that are psychologically abusive? Um, There's often, as we talk about in other relationships where there's narcissism, idealize, devalue, discard, re-engage. As with a romantic relationship, it's, it's not necessarily love bombing. So it's not going to be romance per se. It's not going to be swinging from the chandeliers and flowers and chocolate and um, promising engagement or marriage after one date. That's more typical of a romantic relationship. But in a friendship, um, individuals might notice that the abusive friend does come on a bit strong, and not necessarily in a romantic way, but, um, <clears throat> you know, really presses to have more time with with the healthy friend, and almost consumes that person's um, time, energy, and attention, and, um, you know, initially might really interview the uh, the target and see how they could fill in the gaps with that target's life. For example, Say that a a person is wanting a friend to um, teach them how to ride a horse, um, you know, and they love horses and they want to learn everything there is about um, equestrian life. So the narcissistic friend may research all that they can on horses or become that expert and that perfect friend to feed the target with the information that they need. Um, And become highly relevant to that Mm. Um, friend. To the point where it it feels intense, it feels like the pacing of the friendship is pressured. There might be a sense of obligation or guilt um, that the abusive friend is coming on too strong and demanding too much time and energy but it can also feel like at first that it's almost too good to be true. Like, wow, this, this is the perfect friend. They know everything about horses or they know everything about painting or they know everything about the thing that I love and they're offering me all these tips and tricks and skills that, that can help me you know, with my new hobby or interest. So it almost has a flavor of feeling too good to be true initially. Did I answer that question? I'm not sure if I answered
0: it. <laughs> and, and I think I think there's there's some other things that we can mm-hmm. see. on the Horizon is is they can generally come in being so much fun, yeah. So much life of the party. Sure. Who else do you want to be around them. Hmm. Attraction to not only their knowledge about horses or whatever the topic is, but this this you know this mystery of wow, mm-hmm. look at look at them and and. I think they suck you in that way definitely they are sort of idolizing themselves mm-hmm. you know? and then mm-hmm. you go wow look at where they are and, and yeah. get a connection that is based on a falsehood really
1: absolutely i agree with you 100 and and i think you hit the nail on the head like th- some want to be the life of the party so they might be you know, extremely extroverted or charming um, in a a party setting, or at least that's the mask that they're putting on to the outside world. And maybe, you know, they're an expert smoothie maker or pizza maker or whatever, you know, and they're distributing this delicious recipe that everybody loves and they get this incredible attention because they're the life of the party. Um, And that's not to say that every extroverted human being is narcissistic. That's not true at all. That's, that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is, Folks that run more narcissistic will often really seek out those opportunities to be the center of attention
0: like that. So I actually have a visual prop because I'm very much about props. So I pulled all of these markers today to say that narcissistic friends come in all shapes and colors. They so sure do. They do. Like be the ones that want to be the life of the party while others are under the radar. That's and, right. You know, while we're discussing these, they can come. You might see a little glimpse of what they did in this behavior, but not so much that. So work yes. friend is going to be a combination of the mm-hmm. things that we're discussing because again, every flavor of narcissist um, has their their reasons for why they're what they're doing, what show they're putting on. Exactly. Accomplish so exactly clear. There's a whole bunch of different choices, and um, you know it can go the whole gamut. But it as sure the can. as the relationship progresses, mm-hmm. uh, and people get into you know sort of the coasting of the relationship, mm-hmm. what kind of behaviors do we often see as its yeah. mask starts to fall a little bit?
1: Right, And that's another great question. It's almost like you can sort of predict an idealization and then the beginnings of sort of a devaluation stage, just um, not unlike a romantic entanglement with a very narcissistic person, but different in the sense that it's a friend, it's a platonic relationship. So for example, there might be some instances of gaslighting that ensue or triangulation. A lot of individuals who have groups of friends that sort of um, circle around maybe one core person. Think about it in like middle school. <laughs> you know, it's, it's <laughs> common in middle school and even high school for there to be developmentally narcissistic teenagers because they're supposed to be narcissistic and then we hope that they grow out of it. But if you think back to situation like Mean Girls or something along those lines, if there's a very narcissistic person at the core, oftentimes that person gets a lot of ego fuel by triangulation and maybe pitting one person against the other or setting up a situation where there's some jealousy amongst, um, you know, common friends. And that can happen on social media, it can happen through, you know, uh, video chat. Um, You know, I work with a lot of college students, so a lot of folks are growing out of that narcissistic stage and seeking relationships that are healthy, mature, and Um, friendships of integrity so when they encounter somebody who has that flavor of mean girl or mean dude or whatever um, it's like they're almost shocked about it but it happens so much and it can happen more so on the internet it can happen through social media triangulation gaslighting um, sometimes silent treatment too like if if somebody says something um, that the narcissistic person doesn't like Oftentimes, they'll be stonewalled or silent treated, or they won't respond to a text. They won't respond to a phone call. It's sort of like shaming by silence, you know. So you start to see the mask slip with some of these tactics. And um, any of those things can happen
0: in a, a friendship with yeah. a narcissistic person. I've seen them get sort of on the jealous You know, how dare you like that person? Like, like they, they're almost claiming you that you can't do things with other friends. So they're trying to isolate you. Yes. uh, And and to a point I have had the experience where they start to come into your life and then they start to gobble up your friends. Mm -hmm. Like they're friending them on Facebook, even though they met them for five minutes in a bar. Right. And and all of a sudden they're collecting your friends Mm -hmm. in order to do the next stages, which would be to, you know, talk badly about you and smear you. Now they've got a whole collection of your friends to, you know, say these terrible lies and, and things to. So right. I've seen in that middle stage where, you know, the jealousy and the isolation becomes something that we must pay attention to because mm-hmm. that's not normal. In a no, friend. it's not. And it's so to understand. So is not normal, helps Mm -hmm. you when it's smack in your face. Um, they they might get, um, really bad with your boundaries Mm -hmm. and force you to do things that you don't want to do. So Mm -hmm. you don't Mm want to go to the loud bar and you'd rather sit home and have a bottle of wine with some friends, but they are insisting that they do what they want and Mm -hmm. sometimes you get dragged along and and it doesn't feel good. No. Um, give in and you go all right and I'll go and then you know you didn't want to be there so that sort of control is definitely something people should watch out for
1: absolutely I agree with you 100% and and it's like the pacing of the friendship becomes pressured and it's like your gut feels like ooh, I don't really want to do that but this person is sort of pressuring me and there's this element of if I don't do it I wonder if this person's still going to be my friend so right. it's sort of like peer pressure you know, and that's absolutely not healthy. If if the friend really respected the person, they wouldn't put that kind of pressure or obligation onto the friend.
0: Right. And, so. and that leads us into as it as it morphs into where there's usually an event, um, some sort of narcissistic injury. Maybe you've spoken up and said, Hey, you didn't respect my boundaries, and then they get mad at you and you go from flavor of the, the week to mortal enemy. And so what happens in that, that discard stage, I know these mm-hmm. are the terms of the normal relationship part, but you sure. do have a discard stage as well. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. It's true. And it's, it can come very suddenly and shockingly, or it could sort of, you can see how the friendship is sort of sliding with this devaluation that happens, but either way, there is usually a discard and at some point, maybe an attempt to re-engage, maybe not, but the discard is usually very painful for the survivor. And oftentimes what happens is exactly what you said, Tracy, is that the healthy friend will set a legitimate boundary or um, call out the other person perhaps on a uh, behavior that was hurtful. So they're calling attention to the narcissistic person's behavior. And then unfortunately the narcissistic individual will take it as what we call a narcissistic injury. Any perceived criticism or setting of a boundary, even if it's a healthy boundary or a gentle criticism, is perceived as egregious and horrific by the narcissistic person, and it's equivalent to being exposed and ashamed for who they are. So a healthy person would take that information, own it, say, I'm sorry, I did not mean to hurt you. They would have empathy. They would be accountable to the harm that they've caused that other person, And they would make it right through their actions and their behaviors consistently. Mm -hmm. With somebody who's narcissistic, they're going to take that criticism personally, and they're going to get really angry. So often what happens is a narcissistic rage, where, like you said, the targeted friend falls from up on the pedestal to in an abyss. And that friend is no longer providing really high quality ego fuel or narcissistic supply they've dared to cross the line, set a boundary, so therefore they're banished into the, the doghouse of the narcissist's mind. So um, it can feel like as, as the healthy friend that that person has plummeted from being adored and admired to boom, nothing. And it can feel pretty abrupt and, and painful, but when that happens, sometimes the narcissist will rage back verbally, will be abusive verbally, um, hopefully, not physically, but I'm sure that's happened with some people. Um, you know, or it's cold fury, so to speak, with the silent treatment, and they may cut off that friend and not speak to them again and ignore phone calls, emails, texts, or attempts to reconcile or to have closure on the friendship. So it ends up being that the healthy person, unfortunately, has to create their own closure when that narcissist has ghosted or faded off into the sunset with no closure or if the narcissist is being verbally abusive then the healthy friend is then tasked with what do i do with this you know and it feels really scary to
0: confront somebody who's in that
1: kind of rage
0: absolutely and and there's also a lot of smearing that goes on Mm -hmm. and that can actually go on in the middle stage where they're meeting their friends and going I'm a little worried about Tracy. She drinks a lot or, you know, they start mm. to plant that seed. But when you get into that discard stage, it seems mm. that they ramp it up. And they do. Survivors that I have talked to um, struggle with, what do I do? They're just out there telling everyone on campus or everyone in our friend pool that all these terrible things that aren't true. And right. that hurts your soul so badly. To it me. is and things that, that just aren't true. So wh- what is someone supposed to do when they're being smeared, right?
1: Yes, and that's a really good question because absolutely that is one of the tactics in the arsenal of abuse um, techniques that um, narcissists unfortunately engage in is that smear campaign. And I've seen it a lot with, with folks, uh, particularly on like college campuses, when there's friendships um, that fall apart where one person is a narcissist, oftentimes that narcissistic individual will shame, blame, and bully online and in chat rooms and triangulate and smear. And it, it has the flavor of harassment and um, character assassination. And, and really, I think there is a ramification for the survivor to be able to take legal action. And you know, if it's on campus, they can talk to the Title IX coordinator. But, um, you know, those of us who are not on college campuses, we have, we can respond in a protective way, emotionally and also legally. And emotionally, we can say to ourselves, if we've been smeared and unfairly, and it's a character assassination, we can remind ourselves we're not to blame and we are not the adjectives or words that the abuser is describing. Those are his or her projections. In other words, his, shame, his or her shame dumping or blaming that really describes who they are in most cases.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If the survivor can remind themselves, this is really how the narcissistic person feels about themselves. And they're just dumping it up. It's like a verbal vomit onto the target now because that target has dared to take their mask off or expose them for who they are by a boundary, no less. Whereas a healthy person is gonna respond to a boundary in a very healthy way. So the smear campaign is very painful though because then the survivor is then tasked with, oh my gosh, my reputation is destroyed. I'm not these words that this narcissistic person is describing, it's complete falsehood. The narcissist has their own narration of events so that it protects themselves from being accountable and looking like a bad guy. So their, their narration is false. The survivor's narration is the truth. So then it becomes important for the survivor to narrate their story and to know that that is their truth. And even though they may feel some cognitive dissonance um, because of gaslighting through the smear campaign or what have you, if they can get some validating support and anchoring that their story is the truth, they're, they're going to be more than okay. Plus, they can choose to disengage from the abuser. They can take action if they need to uh, legally with a cease and desist order. Talk to an attorney, um, you know, if it's on campus, a Title IX coordinator. Um, Definitely talk to a therapist or a life coach to be able to narrate the story and to be able to lower cognitive dissonance and, and be empowered. But to then know that as a survivor, you have choice over who you decide to interact with, and you can go no contact. You can s- cut off the fuel to the narcissist and don't give any response whatsoever to a smear campaign. Ignore it, block, and uh, remind yourself that you have other friends in your circle of support that are people of integrity, just like you are, and you need and deserve to be around people who trust and know your
0: story to be the truth, not the abusers. Exactly. And, and I know it's so easy for a survivor to want to stand on top of the rooftop and scream to everybody that that's a lie Mm -hmm. and um you know defending yourself against these lies is is a natural behavior we just just want the world to know the truth and Mm -hmm. i think what you're saying is pick the people that actually believe the truth about you and know it versus wasting your time trying to defend yourself with the ones who have believed this, they've gone to the dark side, in other words. Yes, um, absolutely. not waste your energy because you're, you're fighting a battle and engaging it and making it worse in your own body. Exactly, exactly.
1: And I think it is, it's like a cost-benefits analysis. It's not going to help the survivor to, um, you know, have to verbally be in contact with the abuser. Uh, because it's going to be an energy drain and the abuser is looking for ego fuel, even if it's a negative reaction. And especially if it's a negative reaction, those that run a little more, um, you know, sadistic on that scale, they want that negative reaction because it empowers them. It makes them, <laughs> makes them feel um, in power and in control. And that's, that's pretty disturbing, you know. But how a survivor can protect themselves is to cut off that supply source and to not give them any fuel to redouble their efforts to focus on themselves, protecting themselves, and surrounding
0: themselves with validating, supportive people
1: exactly. who trust them, and vice versa. Yeah,
0: and, and blocking and blocking on Facebook absolutely so that you're not seeing this drama play out. Blocking mm-hmm. all people that are coming to you believing this thing, or you know, just take a choice and say if they've gone to that dark side where they're believing, even if they've been my friend for ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to waste my time right now trying to defend this shit show. If you would, I'm going to sit here and say, I can't have them in my life. I need myself. And and getting rid of all of the fleas that are going to bounce off to those mm-hmm. other people that believe it, and just say, okay, it might not be blocked forever, but I can't see that. I can't let them have access to what I share on social media. That's right. Used against me, so try there you to go. Hear them out because they're they're mm-hmm. dangerous and they're not your the friends you thought they were if they are believing the smears.
1: There you go. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And you're right those additional fleas that are connected (laughs) with the like you said the the narcissistic person those folks don't deserve any head space or heart space from the survivor either and so if that's also a secondary loss that another layer of friends fall by the wayside that are connected with the narcissist then so be it they weren't meant to be Um, and the survivor is truly deserving of authentic friendships of integrity where they know that their story is the truth and it's trusted, it's supported, and it's validated with those anchoring friends. Right. And if people believe the narcissist story, well that's on them because that's a falsehood and it's grounded in pathological lying and it is not the truth. So they're unfortunately drinking the narcissist Kool-Aid and there's not anything the survivor can do, you know, but cut, cut it loose and move on and reassemble pull out those weeds in the garden of support and make space for new growth.
0: Right. It's healthy. And, and that's, that's the bottom line of all of how we recover from this is we have to end it and, right. um, and grieve it in many ways because mm-hmm. um, if we don't understand that it's over, then it leaves the door open for them to come back and apologize and, and do the whole, you know, Cooper yes. like back and, oh, I didn't mean it. How could you think I would do that to you? Mm-hmm. And you're sucked back in, right? So to understand that um, cutting all ties is, is your best hope and your yep. best survival skill. Absolutely. So we can do that for ourselves.
1: For sure. And and I think that's an important uh, reminder for listeners that there could be a Hoover attempt or an attempt to re-engage. So to be armed and protected from that happening by blocking and making sure that there's no access that the narcissist has to your fuel and um, moving forward and attaching to healthier connections uh, with with folks that are reciprocal, that have empathy, accountability, accountability. you know, integrity, uh, the ability to maintain and sustain compassion long-term and to grow with you, you know, and acknowledge if they've made a mistake, they want to make it right. And and they genuinely have the empathy to be able to grow with you. They have the maturity um, and that part of their brain has developed. So those that don't have those qualities, really, you, you don't even have a foundation of trust and respect. So, um, you know, I think it's important to be discerning at the very beginning of any friendship. just like in a dating relationship, you're sort of, you know, evolving and and mutually engaging with mutual vulnerability with, with a friendship, you want to do the same. And you also want to control the pacing of it. If it feels like it's too fast, you can slow it down and really kind of sit with your gut instinct and ask yourself, is this healthy? Is this feeling right to me? Am I seeing evidence of empathy and trust? And, um, is this somebody that I could grow this friendship with? Right.
0: And and but test the boundaries, you know, yes. there and, and do the boundary test and, and yes. set a, a limit. I don't want to go there. How do I right. act? Are they going to get upset with you? Are they going to call you a name? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you're just such a wimp. Why can't you do it? You're so mean, you know, then your, your, your boundary is actually defining. There's, we're seeing the light of them because you something. So it's important to know that those are your, your, your tools and your tool belt. For sure. Know that at any point setting a boundary with someone and their reaction is, is what you need to see, right? If, if they are understanding and good, then they get to keep on going into your life. If they sit there and attack you for not wanting to do something, then those are the people you're getting an early warning system here. <laughs> right. Not good. Get
1: out. <laughs> exactly. I think that's very important information that the boundary test, how does somebody respond with healthy, reasonable boundaries? Mm-hmm. That does everything, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it really does. Cause yeah. it, I mean, that's the first place we see them slip. Is mm-hmm. You have a request or, you know, you've been doing everything for them and, and, and walking their dog while they go away and, sure. and you need something and a ride to get your car at the mechanic and they can't be bothered you know it's got to be an equal friendship and um, for sure so those are the kind of things people can do to, Mm to and get free
1: yes and it's very possible for people to have healthy relationships it's not that everywhere you go there's a narcissist but we're just saying be on guard be be educated be informed and Um, know that there are healthy people out there looking for what you have to offer with empathy and reciprocity and trust and consistency. Um, But then there's folks that don't have those qualities and they, like you said, with with all of those um, markers, they come in all sizes, shapes, and polka dotted. You know, narcissism does not discriminate. (laughs) And unfortunately, sometimes we don't see it coming until we've been bitten. So, We got to be careful. And we also got to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt that we can trust our gut instincts to discern who's
0: healthy for us and who isn't. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's psychoeducation. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, This has been a great conversation. And I know it's going to help a lot of people because as you and I both know, um, this is not just about a relationship. This Mm is in every walk of life. We will see them as bosses. We will see them in the workplace. We will see them at the church. And so we're just covering one little place right now for those that are struggling with it. And um, I know your words of encouragement to uh, find the good people and um, know your truth is going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much for joining me today.
1: And thank you for having me. It's an honor and a privilege, Tracy, and you do amazing work with people all over the world. Um, just thrilled to to be colleagues and friends with you. I'm lucky.
0: I'm lucky too. He's <laughs> a good friend. Uh, likewise. <laughs> all right, thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Wasn't she great? She's so super smart. Check out her blog and check out the resources that she's got all over her website. And um, if you haven't read her book on soul vampires, go ahead and get that because I think you'll learn a lot. Um, if you are experiencing a narcissistic friend, I've got a free ebook on my website, support.com. If you go on the page, there's a little menu item up there that says, who is your narcissist? Click down to Narcissistic Friend and you can download the free ebook or see all the content right there on the page and learn a lot more things to look for, what to watch out for, and how to protect yourself. Again, this is Tracy Malone. Thank you so much for watching and visit me at NarcissistAbuseSupport.com and let's get your healing on and good luck getting rid of that friend.